This week, live and direct from the ruins of Derry, Maine, the It Stravaganza begins with a full-on celebration of It Chapter 1, available to stream or buy online right now. Next week, on September 9th, it's It Chapter 2, just days after it shows up at 15 of your 17 screens of the local multiplex. And the week after that, on September 16th, it's It the Novel. Plus, all the stuff on Instagram and Twitter, where you'll find us under the name of At Dark Multipod. So let's get started as we open up the door to the house on Niebold Street and enter the dark multiverse of Stephen King. Now a proud member of the Podbelly Network. More on that at the end of the show, but right now, listen to this. Ah, that was mm, a nice one. That yeah. was. Cheers so, to Edmondson. Hello, hello there, Cat Bentley Shike. Hi. And here we are for the Dark Multiverse of Stephen King, mm-hmm. part one of our three-part extravaganza. Yes, okay. all spoilers all the time. Just fair warning. If you haven't seen it, chapter one, then... Uh, or read the damn book. Yeah, so exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, so what we're doing is we're doing one episode now about chapter one. Mm-hmm. Then we'll be doing one about chapter two. And then the week after that, we'll be doing one about it, the book. Because yeah, there's a lot in there that the deserves The novel. It yeah. is not just a book. It is a in-depth, crazy long it amazing. is true. And it's got amazing things of its own mm-hmm. that don't fit into a movie, which is actually where I think we should start with this. Okay. The basic story, of course, is if you don't know it by now, where the hell have you been the last 40 years? <laughs> it's about seven kids in a small town in New England called Derry, mm-hmm. uh, not far from Banga, Maine, ah. and um, <laughs> that has some deep, as it turns out, million-year-old problems yes. uh, with an evil entity that lives or exists underneath the city and has infected it forever. These seven kids, individually at first and then as a group, end up fighting this entity who comes back out of the ground every 27 years up through the sewer system to kill children, terrorize everybody mm-hmm. until it's had it eaten its full of fear and flesh yes. and then goes back underground for 27 years. Do you think that dairy is a thinny place or no, because it is from, okay. No, I mean, I think right. we know from the book, which we'll talk about in yes. a couple of weeks, Just there are some sure. multiversal references, Many. but I don't think there's, I don't think it's a thing. I don't think all. so I don't either. think it crossed dimensions at all. It did when it first got here back you know, 10 million years ago, whatever. Right. But since then, it's just been here and wreaking its own kind of havoc on this Every level of the, of the tower. Yeah. And so we meet each one of these kids and we'll talk about them as Yeah, you're go. right. That's true. It is. It's the level of the tower. You're right. Yeah, it's okay. just one mm-hmm. level of mm-hmm. the tower. It is, I think, one of King's greatest books, having just read I it. agree. And I think that Muschietti's, at least the first part of it, his adaptation is among the best adaptations that's been we done. haven't seen two we haven't seen two yet we'll Just see it yet. momentarily yes but also i mean i'm comparing it to like rob reiner's stand by me or right? the shawshank redemption oh my god um the mist a mm-hmm. few others that are really good done adaptations. Well. and this is absolutely up there it ranks up there yeah. it has its problems like they all do but it's really I think it was very great good. yeah i think it's great and we, we both loved it and are really looking forward to seeing part oh two. Oh my God, I can't wait. Uh, the press passes, the drag at us are about to go into effect. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things that's interesting too is that maybe King purists get mad every time there's a slight deviation from the original story, which I think is dumb. Yeah, um, I'd have to agree with that. But what Muschietti shows us is he understands this book completely. Yeah. When he makes changes, when he makes differences, it's kind of purposeful. like in 1408 that we talked about right. recently. There are reasons for it. There are reasons mm-hmm. for storytelling, and it's a respectful and intelligent deviation. 
I think it's a it's wonderfully it's retold so, story. I love it. Where he folds many of the things in the book that would be much more difficult to tell in a single, even two films. Uh, Agreed. And without losing any of the power, without deviating from the basic theme or a lot of the basic the theme, icons. momentum, the everything, yes. Yeah. And the iconic, absolutely. Yeah, so all, everything you want to see mm-hmm. in a It version is here. But yeah, there are a lot of changes in details. A lot. Do you think that, okay, so we talked about how chapter two, King actually you know, contacted the director, wanted to make his own scene or yeah, change, yeah, add, a, to, yeah. add something to it that's not been in the book or any of the movies or anything. When we watch the trailer for it, when it's in the funhouse, do you think it's that scene? Or do you no think it's idea. a whole like vibe thing, not just well, an and actual and if you were, uh, setting, like, not if, a setting thing? If you were looking at this first one we're, that we're talking about now, mm-hmm. there are plenty of scenes in here that aren't in the original right. book. They're reminiscent of it, or they tell things differently. Mm-hmm. King could have, he didn't, but he could have written any of those as alternatives or or changes so i don't know if we'll ever really know unless they want to tell us what scene he added into it okay uh, but, i think they'll wait until after it but what's nice out. is that when there are the deviations even in chapter one that there are none of them are jolting none of them should make a king fan upset that they to me that they no, they died because they're very authentic and sincere a lot of them are just machete being smart about how are you going to tell this incredibly long complicated deep story yeah even in five hours it was 47 hours just listening to the audiobook yeah. so yeah how are you going to do that in five hours yeah <laughs> and and do it now the big change that he made structurally is that in the book we go back and forth between the children the, the, and the adults the losers as, as kids and as adults yeah and they did that in the 1990 miniseries as mm-hmm. well. Here, Machete made the decision to do the first movie about the kids. Right. And the second movie about the adults. And people booed when it said It Chapter 1 at the credits, the ending credits, when I went to the movie theater. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You clearly don't know what... You've never seen anything about It. You just were like, oh, scary clown movie, Stephen King. Well, I don't know anything about it. I'm going to go. I'm like, what are you booing about? I felt yeah, like throwing no popcorn kidding. at them. You yeah, know? it's like, pay attention. <laughs> And I think that was a a great idea because one of the problems we saw in the 1990 film, among its many others, is how confusing it was. It's not confusing in the book because King does a brilliant job of moving you back and forth in wonderful ways, but and you can keep in very very slight and subtle in some ways, and then in other ways, it's like you just know from the way that the writing is. He interchanges it well. The miniseries had real trouble interchanging. Machete avoids that entirely by saying, "Okay, I'm telling the kids' story first. I'm telling the adult story second. Which I think was just brilliant. Yep. But I wanted to to say at the beginning, Anthony Machete, who who directed and adapted the screenplay, worked on the screenplay, on Greenberg's screenplay, did a tremendous job. And what one of the things he did the very best was casting throughout. Yeah. There's not a there's not a false note in the entire These actors are so perfectly done and they're so these kids are hilarious. The way Mm -hmm. that he goes about you know with the screenplay and the writing of it and making sure that you i mean you laugh out loud several times which is iconic king yeah when you're reading those horrific parts of his books and stories you are absolutely laughing out loud as well as being completely terrified or crying and then you laugh through your tears because yep. the characters yep. and i mean he's so great with the psychological so the fact that they were able to bring that into the kids and how i mean they're perfectly cast they're perfectly they're cast and what's interesting wonderful. is that you look at like the IMDb, most of them had not done a lot before this. They mm-hmm. did a little bit. They weren't brand that new. <laughs> but this was clearly a big jump for almost mm-hmm. all of them. And many of them have gone on already just in the course of the last couple of years to do lots of other amazing things. Right. 
Sophia Lillis, who plays Beverly. Beverly Nash. I am so freaking in love with that young woman. She's the only one who did a major deal. And I really don't know if she did it just before or just after, Mm. but she was in the adaptation of um, Sharp Objects, where she played the young version of Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Mm -hmm. Amy Adams. Yeah, that was so great. I love Gillian Flynn. It's not happening, but I had this idea that we know from the book and the movies that the grown up Bill Denborough marries a movie star who looks a lot like Beverly, though he doesn't know that because Mm -hmm. he's almost forgotten Beverly. And I was thinking, now we know that Jessica Chastain plays the adult. Yeah version of, of Beverly. I was hoping that they would hire like Amy Adams to play his wife. Just Ooh, because that would be perfect. to find someone oh, who looks is constantly mistaken for they, no? they didn't. Okay. It's not anything and the picture of the woman who does play the wife. Audra. Uh Audra doesn't look that much like her. She has blonde hair. Maybe they really? made her red hair okay. for the movie. So or maybe really they know. avoid that altogether. But it would have been pretty hilarious that had been that or, or uh, Howard, Bryce Howard had been the other one who's constantly mistaken for Jessica Chastain. Right. Just make one of them. <laughs> that, that a little too meta, yeah, I guess, to go. I like it. But the kid actors throughout. Mm, so good. She is amazing. She also recently made, and it's available now on pay-per-view, she did a Nancy Drew. Really? Was, yeah. She did a re- huh. uh, produced by... Ellen DeGeneres? Ellen DeGeneres is the producer of no this. No way. Yeah. And it's very female empowering, and she's really great. She's funny and, and smart, and she's great. Oh, but, wow. And it came out a few months ago. It didn't do any kind of business. It's available to watch if you like. That's sad. If you like uh, cute, funny, fast movies with strong girls. And right. Can't do worse than Nancy Drew uh, with, <laughs> with Sophia Lillis. But almost every one of these. Interestingly, the, the kid who played Bill Denbro is one we haven't seen much of since. Mm-hmm. He's doing stuff. It just happened, didn't happen to come out. Oh, really? But among them... and I'm, Oh, my uh, God. I love that you have typed out notes. Brad's handwriting is worse than any doctors I've ever seen in my entire life. It's I, He can't even read his own handwriting. That's tried, one of the reasons I go to, to this. He now. left his notes there one time, and I went looking through them trying to... Uh, you know, get a glean of what we were going to be talking about from his perspective. I could not read a fucking single word on it. It was like it's it was. True. It was like the Zodiac Killer had just I can't written this whole. Yeah, I have to. Was... I have only collected my notes for about a day afterwards. Mostly, it's a function of memory. I yeah. think what I was remembering, I was trying to say, and then it's after that, so crazy. So I'm glad, I'm glad that you have been, typed out notes. I've been typing since the fifth grade because I couldn't yeah. read my handwriting. Okay, so, there you yeah. go. Uh, but among them, I was going to mention Chosen Jacobs, who who plays Mike. Yeah, Mike. In this version, here's the first one we saw again because he had a major role in Castle Rock. Right. He's also grown up a lot, even in that yeah. period of time. Which, by the way, you know that I all of the kids the had. Rock. There were a few scenes that Muschietti decided he wanted for the second part that weren't shot for the oh, first. Okay. So he had to call them back. But oh right. They all look much older now. Yeah, because they were actually teenagers or prepubescent. Yeah, they were, they were intentionally yeah. just prepubescent and now mm-hmm. most of them have gone past that. Right. So he actually had to use the CGI de-aging You're tech kidding. that they used in the Avengers and stuff. So they use exactly the same tech on these kids to make them look 14 instead of 18. Okay. And we'll I see mean, how it works when we see the sequel. I can't wait. Part, it's yeah. going to be so much fun. But Chosen Jacobs, we've seen other things of. Finn Wolfen, who was in Stranger Things as well. I started watching that. I couldn't handle it. It's too light. It's too diet Stephen King. It's diet Stephen King, but he's <laughs> incredible and completely different. I mean, really? the thing is, when you watch him there, you don't go, oh, I saw that kid. And, oh, okay, and good. In fact, that's so true he's a great actor. all these kids yeah. is that they're so good at this, even it. though they make such an impression here, you don't think about him again, which is uh, also true of... That's fantastic. Jack Dylan Graver, the kid who plays Richie Oh, Richie. Yeah. Oh, right. He is the major, he's the second lead in Shazam. Which you also haven't seen. Yeah. But uh, Billy Batson's best friend, who's a smart-ass little creep kid, 
That's oh, he's him. Perfect. And he's wonderful at it. And no connection. I mean, I thought, why does that kid look so familiar? And I looked it up. <laughs> oh my God, it's the kid from Shazam. Wow. I mean, so he's gone on. He's been in two major movies in the, in the space him. of his young childhood. These kids are just all of them absolutely tremendous and all are going to do amazing things so if you haven't already gotten it we are about to spoil the shit out of it so just get ready and put your put your big boy panties on your big girl panties on strap in get ready for well and then of course there's (laughs) Skarsgård I love him awesome he has so good he has absolute control of every muscle of his body including Uh, every muscle in his face and his eyes. And his eyes, and which he can move independently, right. which is freaking it's everybody crazy. Out. But to the point where even, I, obviously he's wearing heavy makeup and there's a certain amount of CGI mm-hmm. going on when he's Pennywise, but I'm not even sure he needs it. I, he would freak no, me amazing. out by himself. Well, and you know what's really fun about It Chapter One is that the kids, they all met each other, you know, on set and everything like that so they could start, you know, doing their scenes and lines together. All of the kids, so when we get to the part of Niebold Street, mm-hmm. where all the kids get together and everything, and they Which is are, actually halfway through the movie. They it, don't it, actually get together right. for the first you know, hour of this two-hour film. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but when they do all finally get together and they go to Niebold Street together, that's the first time that these actors ever see Pennywise or even meet Skarsgård. They purposely kept Skarsgård away from the children and would not let them see him as Pennywise. So what you're seeing in Niebold House, as terrifying as that entire fucking long scene is, mm-hmm. that's all real reactions from the children. They've yeah. never seen him with his costume. They never met him, nothing. So, I thought he'd been on set just hanging around. Maybe he was, but he wasn't But not with Pennywise. But not, not as Pennywise. Yeah, he's, not he's, he's just as, yes. as, just as, as Bill Skarsgård. Just maybe to get to know the kids, but not with the Pennywise we makeup and everything. Everything, yes. Now, but yeah, to see him. And in fact, for all of the CGI that's in this movie, and there's plenty, he's in full costume the whole time and right. full makeup. He didn't come in wearing just a bunch of, of markers on his face for them to CG later. Right. He, the practical effects in this are huge. They really are. And it's very important to the, the fear factor. I mean, he does it so well. Yeah, and the, these kids are the great drooling. actors. Right? Yeah, the drooling was real. That, that was, was real. Drooling. Exactly. They, the teeth that they put in and everything made it so that he drooled and he was like, they wanted to fix it. And he said, no, I'm going with this. Well, and like, the other he thing wanted is that, that frequently you have the, the wharf problem where you put false teeth into a guy's mouth, an actor's mm. mouth. And their diction goes to hell. Right. Of course it does. I mean, I have dentures and it took forever for me. Even now, I I still have problems. But his diction throughout, and I don't believe it's ADR. I think that was him talking for the most part. I think so too. Is just, he's just a tremendous actor. He really is. And we saw in Castle Rock, when Uh he plays him, how how amazing he is. And I never seen him look like as a real man. But after the first couple of scenes, you stop thinking about Pennywise. Absolutely. Because the character he plays is so... So real and believable. And 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 weird in an entirely different way. Just as terrifying. But I mean, he's... Incredible. So good. <laughs> and other few. Uh, this movie was shot primarily in northern uh, U.S. and in Canada, so a lot of the sporting actors are Canadians and have very solid acting background in Canada. But so they're vaguely familiar to us. We've seen them a little mm. bit, but there's no star turns. There's nobody right. uh, playing a, a little part. And but they're competent as hell. I think particularly of like um, Bev's father. 
Oh my God, uh, he's just, a creeper. Oh well, my God. You look at his, you look at his, he's been doing this for 30 years. Really? He usually plays cops. And, oh, Jesus. Oh, I can see that. He looks like a and cop. stuff like mm-hmm. that. And he is so friggin' oh, creepy. He's so creepy. In this. And I just think he's tremendous. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, he's, ugh, that was awful. But yeah, he's a really good creeper. And I think that their acting chemistry together was just mm-hmm. so brilliant. You know, she was able to play off of him and vice versa. It was really good. There are many things that aren't in the movie mm-hmm. that I seem odd to me. Choices, I would love to talk to Michelle about why right. he made these choices. One of the things about Mike is that he's he's introduced at the very beginning of the movie, yes. in part one, mm-hmm. and then kind of disappears for about an hour. And that's the thing. It's like, okay, in, in the book, Mike is the anchor. He's the, re- he's the only one that stays in Derry. He's the only one that remembers everything. He's the one that contacts them all as adults. How do you take a character that's such an anchor and give him so little in this movie? That's, I don't understand that. I think he redeems himself, uh, Michelle, to a degree in the last hour where Mike does show up and becomes part of it. But the first, uh, after his introduction, he just disappears. We don't even right. go back to him for quick scenes. He's gone. Uh, well, that, and that's the weird thing. I'm like, I just, mm-hmm. I don't understand why, you know, I... <sighs> Okay, it does show him when he's doing his delivery and that Henry, Henry Bowers is fucking with him as well as Belch and the whole gang, mm-hmm. which they also, another thing is Belch is way more crazy than Henry and that we don't yeah, know that ex- Bel- in this except for in the book. almost not in the movie no. at all. And mm-hmm. of course, Hockstetter yeah. gets killed in a completely different, much quicker way than he does in the book. And a way scary because the visual of that, of him I, in the sewers and, yeah, and, and I, the I kids think that, showing up and I think that was one of the economies, economies of this that, mm-hmm. You know, you have to decide which stories you're going to tell, right. even in yeah. a five-hour oh, deal. Yeah. And they, he doesn't just ignore them entirely, but he so he collapses right. the entire Hockstetter story I into think that was two great. seasons, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And I can understand, like, um, like with some of the others, like with Belcher, not. Um, doing that story at all because it's mm-hmm. as interesting as it is the whole leper taken thing away. the whole in the in the oh, book right. there's a long sequence where one of the kids is terrorized by eddie uh, eddie is is terrorized by because the first eddie guy has, goes to Niebold and and is, eddie has a real problem with germs and with you know his mom is very much a munchausen yeah, you know and so she you know keeps telling him that he's sick and giving him pills that he later finds out are placebos and and so his scariest monster is a leper yes and who's a, a homeless you know a yeah. demon homeless he's even demon watch that that wants him. to you know blow him that wants mm-hmm. it's like a horrible it's awful season. yeah and that's you want a not a job eddie yeah that's not even about a blowjob for a dime i'll do it for a nickel i'll do it for free yeah yeah it's just he's horrible oh my god you did it so perfectly <laughs> oh god you're but creepy Brad. i am creepy and uh but that that's <laughs> gone from here and that's one of the other changes we'll talk about in a sec but but with mike i would have expected us to cut back to him a couple of times right about his haunting individual because we see the individual haunting of yes. almost every kid before they all well, come together. We do see uh, when he goes for the meat delivery where the you know yeah. uh, mural is. We do see all the hands the that are hands. the burned hands yeah. that are coming out from where his parents had died. We don't find out though until three quarters of the movie right. later. Is that that was his parents in there and you know he could not get to them to let them out and so. That's what the clown is preying on is his actual real life experience in the same way that Bill gets fucked with with Georgie. Well, in the book, we follow each of these kids pretty independently for the first third of a very, very long book before they start to pull together. Muschietti clearly made the decision to not follow these kids individually with a couple of exceptions. For the most part, we see them together. Right. Uh, We see 
a fair amount that happens with Ben being mm-hmm. done. We see a lot with Beverly. Mm-hmm. But we really don't see, and after the opening sequence, we don't see a whole lot of home life of what's going on for Ben um, or Bill. Oh, oh. Even oh, Bill. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, only don't we barely been... see his parents? Two or three scenes in the whole movie. And that's it. That's true, and it's only the one where you know he is trying to figure out where Georgie could have ended up in the sewer system, and he right. steals the plans from his father and puts them up on the wall, and then takes the hamster. And like Eddie Hasbrack's relationship with his mother is a big thing in the book, it's and horrible, a humongous, horrible um, thing but it, in the book. She has literally one or two scenes in the whole movie, but I they again, did well to, though, making her. They were great. Each of them were good. I thought the acting like... of, the, of the guy playing Bill dad and his tortured aspect of losing his boy was great but they were very much in the background most of the time yes. we're talking about the group or cuttings of the group mm-hmm. until we get halfway through and then we barely see them the apart. parents aren't actually important except for with bill and with eddie i think that's I well, think and, and Bev's why dad. they oh, Bev's and Bev's dad, of course of yeah. course yeah but we we see a little bit but he's the only mm-hmm. actual parent who stands out as a monster you know beverly's dad is the one parent that i think that okay so something that we talk about a lot in depth is how it is infecting dairy and so all of dairy every person that lives in dairy so when ben in this movie is getting the h carved in by the kissing bridge by henry um you know this couple drives by and they don't even you know they look look and they don't even see intentionally it keep driving and then you see that it is kind of in the back seat of the car or when bevy's dad towards the end gets really sexually aggressive towards her and everything like that that is definitely um, it preying on whatever is the worst. And Eddie Kasparek's mother being so like, you know, crazy, like, oh, I know you're a whore, Bevy, and, you know, mm. I've heard about you, Little Miss Marsh, and I'm going to take my son away from you. And that's its way of separating, again, the group, which has now just become seven at that point. No, I'm sorry. Six. Six at that point. Yeah, because Mike hasn't really shown Mike up Mike hasn't shown up yet. So, and I think it's cool because uh, one of the neat things I liked about this is when there's the blood uh, in the bathroom scene and mm-hmm. Bevy realizes and the rest of the kids realize that, that it is affecting what they, the children, are seeing and not what the adults can see or interpret, you've got The Cure, which is, you know, Robert Smith is my God and Savior, same <laughs> as Stephen King is. Like, there's only two people on the planet. I'm just like, oh, my God. And I went to that concert last weekend. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, and I always sit back. I don't want to see Robert Smith, how he looks now, and remember him how he was when I was in love with him That's in right. my heyday of my my youth, my junior high and high school years. Good Lord. Um, oh, but so the, the song Six Different Ways plays when the six of them, this is before Mike is introduced to the group, they're helping Bev clean up the bathroom. In the story, she had cleaned up the bathroom by herself and the blood came back. Right. They don't bother getting into this, which I think is great. It Again, just shows the teamwork. Yes. Storytelling, yeah. It just shows the six of them cleaning it up and then it doesn't come back. Mm. And I like that. Yeah, so, I, I yeah. did too. Again, really many of these, of these collapses of this folding in that he did for storytelling purposes worked mm-hmm. very yeah. well. I A few things I miss not being there, but one more thing about Mike is that in the book, and I had forgotten this until we redid it, there's a tremendous amount about racism. Oh, definitely. Uh, a huge amount. The but black, the black spot, spot nightclub, is, is, uh, yeah. Yeah, but it also when, you know... Uh, uh, Henry, when he's Henry, like... Henry uh, kills uh, his dog yeah. and calls him a nigger dog. Yeah. And again, I apologize for using that word. Not one we're going to use one of my kids as black, for God's sake. Yes. But 
in this movie, it's a major deal. And he, when he gets chased by the, the bad right. kids and the rest, they're yelling nigger, they say, nigger all the time. It, it, that's the whole book. The N-word is thrown all over the place, and yeah. it's a constant thing. And in it's this, not mentioned just, once in the movie. No, and when he flicks his cigarette at him, which is, in my opinion, a complete hate crime, he flicks him with a cigarette, and he's yeah. like, get the fuck out. Of, or no, he doesn't say fuck because they don't cuss him. So he's like, get out of my town. It doesn't actually imply that it's because he's black it's just implying that right. henry's and a bully and he would do that to any punk or something i mean he right. uses other words but there's not even an implication of no. the black. and i thought that was a strange i did uh, too because it's a huge deal in the book and it seems obvious he's the only black kid yeah. in maine i mean certainly he's homeschooled because you know he's the only yeah. black kid so yeah. it's like and, you and know, clearly that would make kid. him one of the losers one of the outsiders right. so i'm not quite sure why they he chose to completely excise that i've also heard and we'll Maybe see when we reasons. see chapter two yeah. that it opens with a hate crime oh, so does i'll be it? interested to see Ooh, I, you know something that i don't know that's all oh, i, know. I don't even know what it out is of you. i okay. just said that it's that that, that i've heard is that's it so i'll be interested to see if the the black racist issue comes in in part two it has to and if it does why wasn't it even slightly they should have i mean maybe not first. said maybe they, not the n-word i don't yeah, know Again, but I maybe don't but like something it. it needed to be <laughs> we're looking at the movie in the background and they're showing the paul bunyan statue which again in the book actually comes to life and menaces i forget who ben it's no it's um richie richie because uh, and if you think about it Richie, this the only time that they talk about his experience with it is he says he's afraid of clowns, which clowns. they bring back into Neibolt Street, right. the room of clowns, which is fucking terrifying. That is so horrible when their heads move. Did you see the, one of the and, clowns in there? Yes, it's the, Pennywise. It's Pennywise the real the Pennywise. Yeah. Yes. It's Not one of the burnt ones that lands in that lady's yard like yeah. last week we talked about. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that was really nice. Um, yeah, Machete does a lot of little references, yeah. both to the miniseries and to the mm -hmm. original story. But look, we don't have time to do the Paul Bunyan thing, but there it is. Right, exactly. We're definitely nodding that this is yeah. a thing and it people... And the turtle is the same way. So the turtle, there's all these... Okay, in the book, the turtle is the polar opposite of it. Right. It's kind of, if it's you think about it... It's the good, essentially. It's the Mother Abigail. If yeah, you, if yeah, you think about it... it. I, okay, so this is what I wrote. Turtle is like Mother Abigail from the stand. It dies, but still has this kinetic motion for goodness. So, mm -hmm. you know, when Pennywise in the book says, your turtle is dead, the kids still keep fighting, even if they are scared doesn't about matter. the idea yeah. of it. It doesn't matter. In this, there's no talk of the turtle. There's no addressing the turtle. It doesn't carry any weight, whereas Pennywise carries all the weight in the movies. But I think that it's so cool that, like, there's turtle references, you know, and you've got the wax. And you have when Bill sees Georgie being hand puppeted by Pennywise mm. in the water in his basement. Yeah. You lied and I died. You lied and I died. He drops something and it's a it's a Lego turtle. Yeah, it's a Lego. You know, turtle. and so there's They're a lot of little turtle nods. Bits. So little again, nods. it's just nods. To, I'm aware of that. We can't really mm -hmm. go into it here, yeah. but we're aware. Yeah, and, I don't even know if they'll be. By the way, into... there's another one. There's a carnival here. We just passed it. The clown in the background there on the stage. Yes. That one. It's that, John Wayne Gacy. Exactly. It's John Wayne it's Gacy. John Wayne That's Gacy's... the only way I would ever dress up as a clown. It would have to be John Wayne Gacy or <laughs> Harley Quinn. Well, I yeah. could do that. I could do yeah. the Harley Quinn clown. But it's like, again, you don't need to know that for this movie to work no. at all. But it's but if you happen to be, yeah, yeah, those little things, you just, oh, that's just a, it's a, so a good. cool thing. So I think Mike is strangely underused and Agreed. absent for a good chunk of yeah. this movie. 
I'm I hope also, they overutilize him and then in part two to bring it all together yeah, we'll why he's I, the anchor. I, I, I hope so. I was disappointed to see that Silver, the bike, is barely mentioned. I know. They just keep showing that his bike is named Silver and one time he says, Hi, Hi-ho, Silver. Silver. Looking when it, Ben's looking out the window at the library. Yeah, it's that's so it. in the background. Mm-hmm. But I wonder how that's going to tie into the ending, spoiler alert yet again, of the whole thing <laughs> when he redeems his wife by taking her on a ride on, on a his ride magic of silver, bike. Yeah, and, but yeah magic is, bike, exactly. Yeah, but Silver is in it. So we'll, that'll be interesting to mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. Maybe you agree or not. Bev's father in yeah. the book physically abuses her. He beats her. Yes, it's not a sexual thing. It's there's I mean, not even a hint of sexual activity. In no, the book. it's uh, well. I mean, here's the thing. Bev's mother is alive in the book, mm. and in the book, she asks Bevy, "Has your father ever yeah. said or done anything to you?" And it, and it really puzzles Bevy. She's like. Bev can't stop thinking about it. She just keeps pouring over like, what are you talking about? It reminds me of that South Park episode where it's like, the priest, does the priest touch you anywhere or giving you any, then they're like, what would he give us, money? Yeah, you know, like exactly. they're don't just even, like, they don't, don't get it. They, it. Exactly, yeah, it because there's nothing. Yeah, there's I mean, I think it's legit it. and she's not suppressing or hiding it. That wasn't what he did. What he did was hit her a lot. Yes, he beat the shit out of her. Which makes a lot of sense in the adult Bev because her husband that she... Is an abusive motherfucker. Is abusive guy. Yeah. And she, in fact, beats him yes. to get away from him. So it... it and no, then he goes there. and goes after her, yeah, her friend in the book in the, and all now, that. Yeah. And it's not, again, I'm not criticizing Machete at all. Right. It's incredibly creepy. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot. Well, it, there's one Dramatic part sense. in the book when Beverly and all the adult kids realize when they're going back and they're exploring Derry again and, and remembering and reliving all their childhood memories and horrors, Bevy has this whole thing where it's like she runs into this entity of her father and mm-hmm. he's like screaming at her like, I beat you because I wanted to fuck you. And that's in the book. And I was like listening to Stephen Weber read this. And I was like, how uncomfortable must you have been, sir? Like, I mean, honestly, like all the N words and everything, like of all the things that could be said, that was the one where I was just like, Jesus Christ. Like, how do you go home at the end of the day? He physically abuses his daughter, punishes her to avoid doing what he really wanted to do. I get that it's not, obviously those two things are terribly connected, but she was never no, not abused. at all. Never no. sexually assaulted exactly. by her husband, by her father. Well, and that's interesting that you say that too, because when you watch it from the very beginning, I've got it from I think it was HBO. What do they call it when they tell you what the parental guidance warnings? Yeah, yeah. Rape is right at the top. Ah. For this movie, and I was like, rape, and I'm like, certainly implicit. It's, it's implicit. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I guess that was when he touches was, her hair. But he's, again, the actor does a great super job. Fucking creepy. So, and oh, you know dude. damn well yeah. that he's had her any number. Like that. Yeah. And the other part is, and we we'll talk Luckily, about the we ending. Don't have to see any of that? Yeah, it's we'll just talk about the ending when we get gross. to it. In the book, when she actually has a physical relationship with each one of the boys to escape right. from under dairy. It works in part because she is a virgin. I mean, she is an yeah. absolute. Is a just so she's able to sexuality. bring Eddie, who has. Uh, it's very clear that he has this sense of direction, being able to bring people in and out of the sewer tunnels and all this. Right, and all. Yeah, she can bring him back, even though she escape. brings him back, yeah. and she brings them all back by having sex with her in the yeah. book. Uh, that, but part of that because she was a virgin, so her dad didn't, didn't assault her exactly. In the movie, obviously, they don't do that and we'll talk about the alternative ending here but oh but there's um, an alternative ending well not all done but i mean oh. the, the version that michelle oh, okay. does is very all, different oh jesus than christ the book. i'm like don't oh but, god no <laughs> but again the sexual component if she right. had been sexually abused her doing that at the end would be oh, weird it would have been, been much yeah mm-hmm. very different context so uh, people were very angry 
who had never read it before and after seeing it chapter one listening or reading the audiobook and fucking I remember just like the internet blowing up about like oh my god she had sex with all those kids and why would Stephen King write something like that what's wrong with him and I'm like you clearly have never read Stephen King if if something makes you uncomfortable he dives in fucking face first well, and, and just swims around in it yeah, and, and makes we'll talk you about it more in two weeks but as, as much as the idea of underage sex bothers all of us I understand why he did what he did. It's right. not a gangbang. No, no, so exactly lot, really not. No, but clearly they chose it for in many, the, many reasons. In not this movie, to do that it's movie. just when she's frozen at the end. Uh, Pennywise has her lifted up, and mm. she floats like all the other kids. Which I thought was really cool. The choice yeah. that they did in this movie is that every kid that isn't killed is disappeared and just floats, floats, floats around the piles of garbage and things that Pennywise has collected over the time next to his hole where he goes and hides and sleeps for 27 years. When they're able to catch her and pull her down, she's seen the deadlights, which is it without having its false face of Pennywise on, which is another Stephen King thing, nodding back to The Shining. Ben just gives her a kiss and that kind of wakes her up. So. Stanley Let's Uris. talk about Stan. We gotta talk about yeah, Stan so for Stanley sure. Stanley Uris, you know, loves birds in the book. In the miniseries, it's changed to Boy Scouts. He yes. he chants the Boy Scout. The the code because of they ethics, clearly right. didn't believe that the bird thing was a strong enough set of images right. that they could play with. Michelle obviously felt the same. Boy he Scout. didn't use birds either. He uses his what? Judaism, uh, <laughs> all no, his no. yarmulke, uh, <laughs> all the the pictures on the oh, wall. Oh, the they, lady uh, with the distorted face. Yeah, who's actually a, a painting, a Mondrian painting. Mm. Um, so his, his, he goes. Is that to, a real painting? Yeah, it's a real painting. What, who's it by? Mondrian, I think. Mondrian. Okay, yeah. I thought I'll, that's I'll show it to you. Sometime. I'm like, you have to. It's but, yeah, horrible. It's a distorted, Who the is. fuck is that? And yeah. I want to know what's going on in there. You got to tell me um, later. Okay. So, but each time they did a different thing for both times they said, now oh, birds aren't going to work let's do something else right and they play that instead i thought it was interesting that they didn't play his original obsession they stick pretty close to the others so for the most part with stan and i agree with you on that the thing though that is very very interesting to me is they really play up in this movie the reasons why Stan will kill himself as an adult yes. as soon as he knows that it comes back because Stan is actually terrorized in this movie way more than as much as Mike is absent. Stan is overly terrorized, and we, I, I completely see why. Well, and when they have the split up near the end, when they yes. have to be reunified, he yes. says, "You made me come into the house. You made me do this." Yeah, he's he's, he's clearly the weak, the weak yeah. one mm-hmm. in the group. So his his eventual well, he's been terrorized spoiler alert, so suicide. Horrible. Yeah, uh, <laughs> in, 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 we'll see in the first reel. I'm sure. Absolutely. No, we have to makes, because as soon as Mike starts calling sense. people back, yeah. now in the book. That's not, uh, it's not heavily weighed on why Stan just, you know, you just think he's weak and that's why he killed himself in this. A a good section in the book where it talks about how he was offended. He was offended because this isn't right. This isn't the way the world should be. That's true. You know, he was anti the reality. This can't be reality. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. none of the other reality means anything. That's why he suppressed it so completely. That's true. And when it was confronted again as an adult, it's like, I just can't. I wanted to argue with him, but I could not. Do that. Sorry. (laughs) No, I Uh, love arguing with you, Brad, but but I have to agree with you. I don't think it was. And again, I think it was completely absent in the miniseries about why he was just the weak one who who didn't make it. Yes. But I think it is in the book. And I do think they do a good job here making. Oh, my God. Absolutely. He's so terrorized and so. So like and and he's and the cool thing about the end of the movie is instead of you know them all having sex after they cut their hands open and they become blood you know brothers and sister mm-hmm. 
when they all say goodbye to each other and walk away, Eddie's the first one to walk away and he disappears and yeah. he becomes see-through, transparent. Yeah, and as, so each, it's as like, each of them do, but he's the first to go and the happiest to go. Right. I mean, the well, most to be done. I don't know if uh, in this, uh, who's going to die if they're going to, you know, I don't know yeah, how they're going to, we'll you know what I mean? How, I can't believe he's set up Stanley, she's reluctant right. so much, and they're not going to pay it off with a suicide. Exactly. And but he's the first we'll one to say goodbye. So it's, So it'll be fascinating to see. I guess we should get to the end. I know you have a lot of stuff too. No, no, but, I don't have a lot of stuff. But the elaborate. Just creepy um, stuff. Nothing, no good yeah, points. Yeah. Uh, sewer system they go down into at the end they have to go down into the sewers way down under dairy Mm -hmm. to kill it but here they do it by concentrating on the house on Niebold street yes so they only have to go into there to do the confrontation in the basement there yeah which i think is a much smarter sort of it's so smart and the way they did uh, that economy of of storytelling absolutely because he only has the one house that they have to conquer and then he's right there with the wellhead right there and that's how i mean they get rid of Henry in this, though. That's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. Henry actually dies in this, where Henry Bowers does not die in the book. He's in the insane asylum. So in this one... Well, he may die. We Maybe he's alive. That's open. He fell down but the he, well. Dude, that well was so fucking deep. I swear, that's what she we, said. But I'm just saying. No. <laughs> but I swear, like, there's no way. We'll see. That he we, could have survived. He, he, like, hit every rock and stone on the way down. That's said he did. We, he just went, <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't like that. It was like, bah, 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 But bah, we'll bah, see. Bah. We don't know for sure that he's dead. We do know, for instance, that Hochstetter is dead. Yes. And by the way, that. real quick about that actor. I hated that kid's, act, not <laughs> him personally, but the one thing I hate most about the Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi, or a lot of them, is the actor, Adam Driver, who plays, he's the new Darth Vader character, basically. Ah. And he's such a wimpy millennial weak little <laughs> shit throughout the movie and he, he's supposed to oh be oh my god brad you're gonna get one. so much shit for millennials now but i'm on board and, with you <laughs> and the same thing is this kid is just this wounded face pouty he's not the he's not the he's not the terrifying yeah like that yeah, i expected empty. so i was actually glad that he got i also liked a bit i love the, the way he died the aerosol fire thing okay, that so was he very just, cool that was very cool so he's in the sewers he's doing aerosol fire he, the kids have run from him this is in the first half of the movie He's running after the children and he's, you know, screaming at them and he's going to kill them. And, you know, because, you know, Butterball got away with Ben Hanscom. <laughs> I'm like, Butterball. Thanks. Like, That's they what you would called me when I looked they like that when I was They carve him up like a Butterball turkey with the H. I and was only starting a to write little that. lighter okay. than Aww. him at his age. No way. Oh, really? I was a fat kid. Oh, I didn't not know fat, that. Fat, not, not quite Ben Hanscom, but I was right. a pretty chunky kid until, uh, until college, basically. I thinned out. Oh, really? Was yeah. it the stress? The opposite of the freshman 10? Uh, no, I just think it was mature, just uh, physical maturity. Oh, okay, you know, gotcha. <laughs> 17, 18 years old, suddenly got skinny. Right. Flabby but skinny. A lot of guy friends that were like that, though, because you guys don't shoot up until later well, than we girls the, the do. So when you played, do suddenly, you're like... Yeah, the actor that played the fat kid oh, character, Jerry, Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. And who became a total hunk in the oh next God, 10 totally years. Hot. And it wasn't be, just because Married he, to Jessica Remains. Yeah. Was Stamos? No, yeah, not. not yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, I mean, some people just grow to be in. 
Yeah. Uh, grotto the baby fat. And right. he did, and not to a degree, I did. They didn't become this massive specimen overnight. You know? I know. And Brad, it's a nice specimen. I Indeed, I wouldn't have you in my bed otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure if the husband doesn't come home too soon now. Oh, my God. Anytime now. Oh, uh, Lord. Oh, no. my. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, no, so when he's doing the, the flamethrower, you know, with the hairspray mm-hmm. and the uh, lighter, and then the dead kids, he sees them. Yeah. They start biting on him. He starts running down. He gets lost in the sewer. And the cool thing that I thought was such a great nod to the book was when you see that balloon that's floating and it twists and says, I heart dairy, because you've got the gay man mm-hmm. who was killed in the book at the kissing bridge and he had an I heart dairy cap and his partner was so upset. Like, I don't know why he loved balloons this town the so bridge, much. Thousands of balloons that said I heart dairy. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So it's like, that's a complete Which, nod to Adrian. Again, it's another thing. The book has, it's not quite as strong as the racist element, but mm-hmm. there's absolutely an anti-gay yes. movement that causes a great murder and mayhem yes. in the book. And though there is a small amount they call one of the, I think they call Eddie a flamer at one point yeah. in one of the words, a couple other it times it was like an 80s uh, reference of yeah, gay you know, yeah gay. exactly you like flamer mm-hmm. it was faggot or anything like that but no. it's clearly there um, but other than that there's it's a big portion of the book and it's absolutely it's a huge portion in, of the book in, and it also has movie. to do with how it ties in Patrick and Belch and Henry and their whole situation which yeah, we'll get to they, in they, the yeah, book had but sex and then he immediately denies well, it was, it, it was hand job stuff yeah. and Beverly snuck up and was and watching them and she's like if I move, they're going to murder me. Because and then Henry if I immediately this, denies it. Says right. it never happens. Your fault. It's like, I'm not gay, but my boyfriend is. It's right. That, it's, that was kind of, you know, yeah. you are not me. And it was all that the normal denial and stuff. And then right after that, comment. Belch gets murdered in the book, which was actually, thank God, because he was fucking crazier than he was, Henry. Yeah, he, he was, was a true so, psychopath. Yeah, yeah, absolutely psychopath. With the kid, his brother, and we'll get into that when we get into the book, yeah, but, but it's yeah, horrible. But then, again, we understand how all that isn't. Here just isn't time to tell every story. Yeah, no, and that's okay because it yeah. is such a, I mean, 47 hours told in well, five I would and a half think hours. That if anybody yeah. saw this movie and then I I'm love it. chapter two and then went back and so read the book, they would see it as an expansion of this I, story. I agree with you completely. All these other cool stories that you that you knew were hinted at or part of it, yeah. but there was just no but time you're like, to tell oh, I it. get it now. It's little Easter eggs in the movie, but it expands on it in great detail yeah, in the and book, it, and it's the, so good. And the book does not stop. It's continuously amazing. My girlfriend, she listened to it. Like over a weekend, she was just like completely obsessed with oh it. I was my, like, I know. That's what I thought. I was like, yeah. <laughs> but the, and the last thing is the ending. We talked already about the sex part that was changed. Right. But also there's a very elaborate three or four part assault of Pennywise at the end under Derry by the kids using slingshots and the asthma device and it's battery acid you fuck yeah, and he squirts and, um, it right I wish the, they would have the done melted that melted silver and they might do it as uh, as adults they may except it, but it's interesting in that asthma is barely mentioned in the first half I agree it's just there, as the placebo but, but when he yells at gazebo. his mom a gazebo it's, it's a gazebo <laughs> these are gazebos yeah but at the end, they don't do that whole elaborate thing. They go straight to Nebo. They go straight to the basement. In the book, too, we see its final form, original form, right. which King says is not really a spider, but it's all that we can conceive of when we look at this thing yeah. and we translate it. There's nothing more terrifying than a spider it's actually to look a, at. It's actually a monster from 
H.P. Lovecraft's Cthulhu. It really is. It's it's an elder god. It's something that's mm-hmm. so incomprehensibly evil to us. We can't really... Our minds can't wrap around it, which no. is why when we see the deadlights, we go insane. Right. And even the shape of it is we, we look at... It seems kind of spiderish because that's the closest we can come. Yeah. Now, in the movie in 19... The miniseries in 1990, they made the mistake of making Ugh. it a spider, yes. a bad one. Here, the only reference to the spider is at yeah. the end when he's going through massive changes. Changes because the kids one are of them killing is, him. He gets these huge claw spider-like arms for a minute or two, yes. and then they go and goes after one of the kids. Tick 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 tick, 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 tick. Yeah. Oh. which is great. And again, if you didn't know that was the only the spider mm-hmm. thing, it wouldn't matter. Exactly, but it's there and gone. It was kind of cool. But what they do instead is he cuts to the core of what saved these kids. That King himself says is when they work together, they can do it. And also, there's such love. I mean, mm-hmm. these kids, he does such a good job of, of convincing you in the movie, for sure. But in the book, I mean, the true unifier and the only way that they can get rid of some evil is with love. Yeah. And so the Loyalty unity. To each and, other. Yes. and that wonderful mm-hmm. speech where it has Bill Denbro by the neck. And he says, I can't give you eternal life, but I can give right. you long, healthy lives. He I can bargains. make you all rich. Yes. You can have the life you always dreamed of. All you have to do is leave him here with me and the rest of you. And this is so good. And Richie. Richie, Richie gives the great speech. And oh, my God. It's so good. He's, so he's like, damn you, Bill. And, and you see this like satisfied, hungry look go over Skarsgård's face. He knows that he's got Bill he's got now him. because his, one of his friends is clearly defecting and freaking yeah. out. And he's like. God damn it, Bill. I swear to God, I come down in the sewer from you. I got gray water all over me and this, that, and the other. Eddie's arms broken, all this shit. And then he looks at him and he just completely levels with Pennywise and he goes, and now, and from the the trash heap where the kids' bodies are circling, he pulls out a baseball bat and he goes, because now I got to kill this fucking clown. And you're just like, woo! It was was the perfect line, perfectly delivered. delivered. Yeah, everything about it is great. And then, of course, they all grab blunt instruments and they essentially beat him to death, yes. beat him into submission, mm-hmm. and he escapes down into the hole. But it is that acting together, acting bravely together right, uh, for the good of each other. And teamwork, yeah. When, yeah. when they had the option of walking away, but they loved that boy too much and loved each yes. other too much to do that. And I have to say something, talking about loving that boy too much. Oh, God, when Bill... Before Pennywise gets Bill, when they're at the end, I mean, the movie is fantastic, but the ending is just something that is, from Neibolt Street on, is a thing of beauty. I mean, yeah. it's it's so scary when you've got the doors that are, like, not scary at all. You know, Neibolt Street is just horrendous. And then you get down underneath it, and you are in the sewers, quote-unquote, of Derry. And he's looking for Georgie, and he, he sees him. And, oh, my God. Little Georgie starts talking to Ben, and Ben picks up Mike's. It's a, do yeah, call? I don't even know what you call it. It's, it's a not thing a you use to kill a, whatever uh, the fuck to kill um, livestock quickly. Yeah. It like shoots right. him in the head it shoot, with it the. It shoots a spike into the head mm-hmm. of, the, of the cow to kill it. And they had already gotten rid of, you know, when Henry fell, all of his bolts went with him. So mm-hmm. he had no more bolts, but Pennywise doesn't know that. In order for Pennywise to do the horrible things and tortures that he does, he also has to follow by the same rules. So even though there isn't a bolt in there for them to use against him, Pennywise either A, doesn't know that, or B, it doesn't matter because their belief is stronger than... It's the same thing as the asthma projector. As right, the asthma as the, it's Except battery acid. Battery acid. So when yes. it wasn't, it was just camphor and water. But he believed that it was battery exactly. acid, so it worked. Here, it didn't have to be loaded. He believed it was right. loaded, and it's still And so it, it messes it. up it, and also then when Bill's brother, Georgie, comes up to him, and he's just like, 
Bill, I want to go home. Oh my God. This, I mean, he did such a great job. I cried like a yeah. little bitch with a kidney. It's so good. It's so terrifying because like, I love my sister so much. Like there's nothing that in the world that I would not do for my sister. And just to have your younger sibling come up and be like, I want to go home with you now. I'm tired of being here. It's cold and I don't want to be here. And he looks at him and he's like, I love you too. And then he puts the thing up to his but head and says, but you're not Georgie. And then he's, that little yeah. oh my god that made me cry so bad but then it gets better because Georgie falls back and his one arm is starts wiggling and his whole body starts hard. wiggling and each each, yeah, each limb pops out almost comically yes uh, like a, a bad uh, jack-in-the-box and it, but it's so good yeah, and it's, it's all so clown and literally jack-in-the-box and then yeah. it's pennywise and just ready to go yeah it was uh, and it was an attempt obviously to break bill because that's all he's been trying to do the whole time. Because Bill's the main leader. Everybody loves Big Bill. And I do think that they did this really well also is Richie's the one that when they start to enter Neibolt Street, he says, wow, that's one time Bill didn't stutter after Bill gives a yeah, speech about speech. going in there. Yeah. In the book, they are best friends. Those mm. are the two that are the closest. I mean, they're all very close, yeah, they, but they, those are the two. So they, they do, do the give. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even though it doesn't show them necessarily spending all their time together like they do in the book, it is so perfect, and so yeah, that's yeah, why you need to kill Michelle that. Also, does a great clown. job of illustrating Ben Hanscom's <laughs> love for Bev. Yeah, throughout without getting it so weird good. Yeah, it. and and it's like when he rescues her, she says thank you, Ben, and then goes over and hugs Bill. Bill, right? It's like, oh, god damn, ah, he can't, can't catch can't a break. Yeah, it's not just the postcard or just the. And she already knows. She knows. She knows. But yeah, it's like she it still doesn't. can't help what yeah. her heart wants. So again, we'll see how this pays off in part two with right? Audra and and yeah, with Audra. I and like ben that and the trailer shows her kissing young Bill. And then kissing adult Bill, played by McAvoy. Mm-hmm. But we know the book, how that yeah, pays that off and ends. So yeah. I'm very curious. I like the way that they're giving the, we'll the spin. But I think, they did, again, in general, I think like the using the substitute of beating the character, beating the guy to death, rather than the complicated multi-level right. stuff that they did. It all it happens for the same reason. Mm-hmm. They solved the problem, so to speak, for the yes. same reason, which is togetherness, love, working together and all that. And like I said, Michetti understands this book. And when Pennywise is hanging, about to fall into the drain before they're mm-hmm. about to, you know, give him the final death blow, which really probably would not have killed Pennywise because he was just... He was already escaped. He, he's already escaped, but he gibbers... He thrusts his fists against the post and still insists he sees the ghost. And then what does he say? It's some other thing after that. Last word is fear. Oh, it's so good. As his head is literally particulating, literally falling apart. And nothing, and it all floats. Everything that comes out of Pennywise floats. Floats away. Yeah. Then he's gone. Yeah, it's really as good as it could have (laughs) been. It's such a great movie. And again, I think when we look at the best adaptations of King, Mm -hmm. What we see in each case is not a slavish reproduction of the book, scenes, characters, events, as much as it is understanding that book and what King is trying to say and doing the most effective version of that on film. Right. We saw it in Cujo, where yes. he lets the boy live. Right. We saw it in The Mist, where the, oh my God, it kills they die everybody. at the end. Oh. Uh, how many people are going to stick into one thing? Oh, my where, God. <laughs> but, you know, where there are changes in each of these mm-hmm. from the story. Stand By Me and Shawshank are among the few that stick pretty close. Exactly. Throughout, including yeah, the ending. It's but, almost scene by scene. Yeah, but each of them understand what's the best way to tell this story right. you know, in this medium. And absolutely, Machete, and this guy in this half, it. Anyway, it. understands 
how to tell this story. He doesn't betray King's vision. Once, Not at all. Which I think explains why King, who had reached nothing out to do to him, with right? this, reached out to him and said how mm-hmm. much he liked this and how he'd like to work with yeah. him in a second, which who can, I can't even imagine. I would that. be coming everywhere. I would just be like, oh my God. Oh, oh, oh. I'd be like, could you just hold on, so, please? And give and me five great. minutes. <laughs> so I have heard uh, two things, many things about uh, chapter two, which we'll be seeing soon. Some folks are very disappointed. They say it's not very good. I and, have also read mixed um, reviews. And I've also read, even today, I read one saying it's the best adaptation of Stephen King ever. Ooh. So oh, it's I'm just clearly gonna... a mixed Ooh. bag. And I wonder, I wonder, as we often do, is there a difference in the guys that are criticizing it or reviewing it who don't know Stephen King's work? That's very And are good just point. comparing it to the first movie or to the miniseries they saw 20 years ago? Right. Or are they... Are they true fans? Yeah, they're real. Are they really you know what? It's like seeing going to see Shakespeare uh, criticizing Hamlet because uh, this character <laughs> never makes up his mind and he talks too much. So, <laughs> that's how he was written. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. That's the story, man. And it's like, you clearly don't know anything. You don't know it. Shakespeare or you don't know King. That's all yeah, there is exactly. to it. Like, so we'll, we'll see when we see this, how it goes. But I think this is as I good mean, an adaptation as we've well, seen. Well, here's the thing. You and I... As a constant reader and another constant reader, I have a feeling as much as we have loved Stephen King for our entire lives, we will be very good judges and be able to tell everyone that's listening exactly whether we've been served justice in a good way or if if it's flawed because one way or the other we're having to do with either their idea of bad Stephen King or... It'll be interesting to see. The worst I think that can happen is that we disagree with some of the choices that Machete makes in tying this up. In, in I'm part okay with two. that. I'm just so but excited. But I to don't go. doubt like, his <laughs> thought or his respect for the core material. I, I think that he's delivered well, very, yeah. very well on yeah. this. And just, and in fact, I if, love even it, if the second one. half is complete shit, this still stands as a really wonderful adaptation. Yeah. Of half the book. And then read the other fucking half yourselves yeah. and don't, and don't fact, blame. <laughs> read the damn book anyway. Again, read the book anyway. Next week, so we'll be talking yeah. about the book. We've already talked mm, a lot about it. But have. there are a number of you things. You can cut out a lot of book. that. Nah, I'll leave it all in because it doesn't <laughs> oh, matter. Oh, God, okay. But there's a lot to talk about in that book. And and you're talking about a big spoiler alert, mm-hmm. my last one. Read the fucking book. Read the goddamn book. Even That's if you love just, or hate this version of the it deal. It doesn't matter. It's, it's an just, entirely it's different experience. And I think at this moment this is probably the best book king wrote yes uh, i was just gonna say that and i was also gonna say and you cannot go wrong with the audiobook version mm-hmm. i never thought i would say anything kind about stephen weber <laughs> but i just i love him as the reader it is well worth going back it's into so good. i hope that this i really like this better i mean you and i we trashed the stand and i see why if you compare especially we hadn't read or listened to it yet this is what Stephen King was born to write. Like it's yeah, Jerusalem's is, Lot style so greatness. It's so good. And, and amazingly enough, a 40 year old book. And it's still and it holds insanely up. holds up. Yeah. So it's well worth it. Again, we'll talk about the book at greater length. Until then, if you haven't already, enjoy part two. Yeah. Uh, and I got to put my clothes on. The husband's home. Got to get ready for it part two. That's what we're going to get. So, Chapter two. So we will talk to you next week. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, speaking of which, real quick. Anthony Muschietti, uh-huh. his next project, he's directing a bunch of the episodes of Lock and Key, the Joe Hill miniseries yes. on Netflix. So, I love it. Yeah. Perfect. So, anyway, Perfect. talk okay. to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. And that about covers it for this first week of the It's Stravaganza. On Monday, September 9th, hear all we've got to say about It Chapter 2, which is in every damn theater near you right now. 
And the week after that, on Monday, September 16th, we go all over, inside, and under it, the novel from way back when. Don't miss any of it or our updates, hints, and shout-outs on our Instagram and Twitter feeds, both listed as at DarkMultipod, just like our website, which is, strangely enough, DarkMultipod.com. You can't miss us. And yes, we weren't kidding. We are now a proud member of the brand new and all-amazing Podbelly Network, along with some of our favorite fellow podcasters. Check out over 20 great podcasts covering everything from Star Wars to horror movies, Hey Kim and Cat, and post-apocalyptic drama, and even the venerable and huge Sofa King podcast. It's all there and a whole lot more, and it's growing every day. So hop on over to podbelly.com. That's podbelly with a D in the middle, as in damn, that's good, podbelly.com. Also, if you haven't left a rating and review of the Dark Multiverse over on iTunes, please go over there and do exactly that. Five minutes is all it takes to make an old man and a beautiful woman's dreams come true. And hey, how often does that happen? And starting on the next mini-episode, we'll be shouting out anyone smart and sexy enough to give us a new review, because that's how much we loves you. Quickly now, our amazing intro and outro music, as always, comes to us courtesy of the equally amazing Chrysanthi Tan, a brilliant composer, violinist, performer, and artist. You can learn more about her, and you should, at chrysanthitan.com, or join her over on Patreon at patreon.com slash chrysanthitan. And if you're having trouble with the name, I mean, hey, it's a bottomless flower in a pale brown color. How hard could it be? You'll find all you need to know about her and links to her sites at darkmultipod.com. Okay, be back here real soon for It Chapter 2 and It the Novel, and check out the mini-episode on Friday when we'll be talking a whole lot about Joe Hill, who's doing some great stuff of his own these days. And trust us, if you haven't seen Chapter 2 yet, rewatch Chapter 1, rush out to the theater, and see Number 2. Love it or less, you'll be glad you did. We'll see you soon, and until then, please remember to keep it unreal. How's my... Uh. No, you're good. You're good.